Hi, my name is Visha Cadell, and I'm bringing you Behind the Face of Success, a brand new podcast that delves into the untold stories of people that have reached great heights in their careers and the decisions, whether good or bad, they took to get there. The film and TV industry has been one that I've always been attracted to. In fact, in my A-levels, I did media studies as a course, and I always wanted to do something in film, but I had no idea what. I actually ended up working in TV, but a little bit more on the advertising side of it. But my appreciation of film and TV production of TV shows and films still continues. My guest today is someone that I adore dearly, Dwayne Barrett. Not only is he a brilliant actor, but he's just the kindest man. In fact, when I first met him, we were both at a meeting together and he saw me carrying around a heavy backpack. He immediately took it from me and he insisted he carry it around for me. And when I've had a down moment, which let's be honest, we all get, and I've had a fair few of those recently, he's left me positive and uplifting voice notes, giving me a bit of a pep talk. Now I've told you why he's a great human being and what a great friend he is. But let me tell you a little bit more about why I think he's exceptional talent in the field that he's in, entertainment. So Twain Barrett is an actor who was born in Battersea in London. After graduating from the Brit School in 2012, Twain went on to further education at Mount View Academy of Theatre Arts to study his BA Honours in Acting and graduated in 2017. He is known for his role in You Don't Know Me, which was released in 2021, and he's also starred in The Witchfinder. So, hello, Twain. I'm so excited to have you here. And I know you're so, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, I know you've just been like so full on with so many things that are happening, but I just couldn't resist to have you on this podcast. Clearly, as you know that, because I'm consistently texting you saying, when are you free? <laughs> but the reason being is because your story, I think, will be inspiring to so many people, so many young people. Mm. And I just want to hear so much more about your behind the scenes and you growing up. So I'm going to actually start with that. So, because I know you really well, I know you as a friend, Yeah. but I want to know a little bit more about your childhood, you growing up and, yeah. and what that, what that was like. Growing up, uh, so I grew up in Battersea and it was, in my mind, uh, I had a glorious time growing up, right? Come from a single parent home. So I was raised by my mother and my grandma and my auntie. So I've just been around incredible women my whole life. And it was nice. It was nice to have that. However, I always lacked a father figure, a male figure. And I found that growing up, I've tried to find that in other people around me, quite close to my age, actually. Um, However, that wasn't the best move I had ever done because these were people who were involved in violence and gangs and all this stuff, right? So all I knew was what was happening with them. And I was like, oh, and then it must happen to me too, you know, and trying to get myself into trouble on purpose and not behaving in school and all that stuff. And um, it was a tough journey for my family because they didn't really know what to do with me after because they were just like, you're just going down this path that we can't really, we've tried to, but we can't really deter you from. And that was really difficult to see them not having the control and I'm not really controlled, but more like a, an avenue for me to go through. And then, as you know now, I do acting. And I think that acting was my saving grace. 
I really enjoyed playing anyone other than myself. I really enjoyed not being me because at moments I was really not a fan of myself. You know, playing other people, making people laugh, making people feel some emotion was very important and I really enjoyed that. And yeah, that's how I got into, into acting. That's an incredible journey as well. And I come from a single parent family. Mum as well brought me up. And it's just kind of respect the mums. Yeah. And I love the way that they were consistently looking out for you throughout all of that. Mm. And you getting out in acting, it's just quite an interesting job, actually, a yeah. career or a choice, given the fact that you grew up where you did and you didn't have those role models helping you, nudging you, pushing you, especially in that sector how did that come about like how did you go like right that's it I want to become an actor but that's the that's the thing I, I think what really helped was my family not because you know there's some families that are always like have a backup plan and all this stuff which is normal right you know you want your child to be secure but I had my mom and grandma just be like if that's what you want to do go for it and that kind of pushed me in a way I'm like yeah if they believe in me then how can I not make this possible and what I did find was I found myself I found myself in situations where I was really at risk. <laughs> so when it came to like applying for the Brit school, that was like the college time, right? That's the time you applied for college. I literally just applied for Brit school. I didn't apply for any other college. So I was like, if I don't work hard, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get this opportunity. And then I ended up, yeah, I ended up getting in. And, and from that, things just... Yeah, went a different direction, and and yeah, we're here now. That is so cool because you really did tell yourself that is the thing I'm going to have, and that is the only thing I've got my focus on. Yeah, it's so clear to me. You know, when I was growing up, I was just like, oh, I wanted to be this, I wanted to be that. It's so clear to me that you just knew it. You just knew this is what I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the thing. Obviously, when like growing up and when you're younger, you want to be something that fulfills you, or maybe you have in your mind is the best thing. Like I remember growing up, I was like, oh, maybe I want to, I want to stop crying. I want to be a policeman. And then you grow older, you're like, actually, that's very corrupt. Of course, not all cops are bad, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a tricky thing. And I was like, what do I enjoy doing? And I, what I really enjoyed was being a cross clown. I really enjoyed being silly. I really enjoyed getting into trouble with teachers because that, that means everyone would like me. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay, so I enjoy affecting people. What can I do that allows me to affect people. So, yeah, that's how I got into that. Well, it's brilliant because you still carry that on in your, like, personal life as well because every time you say something in the meetings that we're in, I'm just trying to, like, keep it together, but you're actually making me laugh a lot. Yeah. So you've done yeah. that well. <laughs> One of the things I also think about, like, the film industry, and I was talking to some students, remember me telling you that I've interviewed some people around 15 years old, mm. and I mentioned that you were going to appear on this. And the first thing somebody asked me was like, I'd love to know, you know, the film industry just feels so glamorized right now. It's definitely more than that. But obviously people are following social media. They're seeing things on TV. Can you walk me through like the hard realities of the industry? The hard reality realities of the industry is you really, you have no control about what's going to happen next. So like you think you can, you think you can navigate your way in which you're like, okay, I'll do this job and then I'll, I'll do this or, or I'll do a comedy and then I'm going to go into a drama. It's like, it, you can't control that. Like, obviously we're grateful enough to have these auditions and these opportunities, but a lot of the time you get no's, right? And that is the hardest thing is not taking it personal 
it's so easy because of, of course, like whenever anyone rejects you, you're like, but why? You know, you want to know why. And it might just be the case of the part is not right for you. It doesn't mean that you were bad. It doesn't mean that you're not good. There are auditions where I, I, I was very confident that I smashed it and I didn't get it. And then other auditions where I was like, oh, could have done better. Then they call me back and I'm like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you really never know. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? And like the uncertainty really kind of like, it, I mean, that's what that's what keeps me going. But knowing that you're in it for the right reasons is important too. Because as you said, like it can be quite glamorized and people will do it for the wrong reasons. You know, they're like, oh, I want more followers. Oh, I want a blue tick. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like, but we're doing it because we love telling stories and we want to affect people. We want people to leave leave their, their bedroom if they're watching it on Netflix or leave the cinema questioning, what did I just witness? I like that point you made about, it's not personal. Mm. Just focus on your craft. And I think there's so many learners in that, no matter what industry you're in, because you will get that type of rejection or you might get callbacks whenever you want. And actually Ed talked about that a little bit earlier on yeah. when I spoke to him. And it's that, that focus goal is so important, which is really hard to do, actually. I'm so fascinated about your area as well and your field of work because it's so different to my desk job type of work <laughs> that I which do. Which is amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, like what steps did you take? If somebody young who was listening to this or somebody just interested in learning to act and they graduated from school, where would they go next? What? How does it work? So with Brit School, it really sets you up for further education right you go there and because you audition there like it kind of prepares you for the industry in a way when you're only either 14 or 16. what it allows you to do is it allows you to meet people in professional opportunities and in professional situations and ask them you know i was all about in my life if you don't ask you don't get like all my mm. friends, they call all my friends call me mark zuckerberg because they, they're always like, yeah, you're always connecting. Da, da, da. And I'm and I'm not really seeing it as connecting. I'm seeing it as as learning, right? Like I'm really just trying to have an insight into what life is like for someone who's not there yet. What I found really helpful was asking people in who worked at the National, who worked at Young Vic, what did they do? Did they go to drama school? How long did they go for? Because you need to do a master's or three years. What's the situation with agents and all that stuff? And I think that was really helpful especially going to Brit and meeting these people. And then, because I thought after Brit school, I was like, that's it, let's go. <laughs> and they're like, some people was very fortunate enough to happen. But me, after Brit school, I was like, I definitely need further education. I need help with, you know, my skill using diction correctly. And that was very important. And, and I think that that helped massively, just asking, not being afraid to ask, and not being afraid to... Not being, because I, like, you know, when people are like, oh, this might be a dumb question. Mm. It's not. I don't think any question is dumb because if you don't know it, well, how are you going to learn it? You still ask the question on Google. Do you know what I mean? So why not ask the person themselves, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm not smart enough because I haven't figured it out myself. You're not supposed to know everything. You really, really aren't. And I love the fact that you actually just talked about, I was just curious and I kept asking questions because I was mm. teaching myself mm. and and I bet those people became people you are you still in touch with them now Do yeah yeah, yeah. network that's and that's the thing right like these are the people that I'm in touch with now but two also working with you know these are people that when I was 16 they were you know maybe 22 23 they just graduated and they're experiencing something new being in the industry 
And they're like, oh, I hope we can work together one day. And I'm like, me too. Not really thinking anything of it. Next thing you know, I'm looking at a call sheet and both of our names are there. Do you know what I mean? So it's a beautiful journey, this occupation. And doing it for the right reasons is, is very important too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's about focus on the craft as well, like you just mm-hmm. said, and and why you got into it. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that you literally just talked about how your family has like even pushed you in that direction, supported you. But there's that additional thing of like, I'm going to keep making people proud of my family, you know, which you are clearly doing as well. One thing I really wanted to ask you, especially in the industry that you're in, to your point about sometimes you do get rejection, how do you cope with it? How do you cope with rejection? How do you stay motivated and inspired? Because when I see you, you are positive and smiling and just happy. You keep me positive, actually. Mm. And I bet there are times where you're having some down days. And so how do you lift yourself? I always have to remind myself that what's for me won't go by me. And that's in all aspects of life. Like that comes down to even missing one tube I'm not meant to be on that tube I ain't gonna rush I ain't gonna be mad about it you know what I mean we're in London there's one coming in two minutes we're good and also to as you said like remain positive and also allow yourself to not be positive I think it's very important too because when you're always doing up this it really does affect you because you know you're constantly tricking your brain like everything's okay and it might not be so really acknowledging when you're not feeling okay and knowing that that's okay I've done that. And also, I know it's cliche, but, and I know people, other people have different views on it, but like genuinely, like I'm very privileged in terms of, you know, waking up every morning with all my limbs intact. Do you know what I mean? And and all of this stuff, and I have a bed to sleep in and the, the heating's on. All of these things I have to really be grateful for. Because when you become ungrateful, that's when the negativity creeps in and all this stuff. And and also thinking that the world owes you something. You can't live life like that because it doesn't. It doesn't. It's a scary world, you know? Yeah. So just reminding myself that and just checking in every time. And yeah, I think that that's, that's very important. I'm impressed with that. Also, by the way, I feel like um, what you're saying, it just like really resonates with me so much because I think that that too as well, which is mm-hmm. sometimes when you're having a hard day, you're like, do you know what? Thank God I've got home or thank God I can just walk down to the high street and there are people that may not have had that and mm-hmm. and we should appreciate everything we have um, yeah. in our lives. Or- and, and that's the thing. It's okay to, it's okay to be mad. Like it's okay to have these moments, but also remember that we are human and we're going to feel certain emotions and it's normal, you know? And and it's not to say, oh, you shouldn't be upset because you have a home. It's not like that. It's more just really look at the positives at life rather than comparing. I think comparison is a kill of joy. It's a joy kill when you're constantly comparing. And it's so easy to do that in this world. So I think your point about just staying on the positive path and you've done that with me as well you've given me a bit of a pet talk and I was just like having a bit of a down day and I'm not normally like that but Mm -hmm. I have been and I think that was also helpful as well it's like having that support network no matter what sometimes when you are it's okay to not be okay and when it's not you're not okay yeah somebody else will tell you it's going to be all right you know yeah and sometimes you know you you hear all these things about people being like don't tell me it's going to be all right. Da, 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 da. And that's the thing. You should allow them to go through that themselves. And yeah, that's very important too. 
So if you had to give any hot top tips to somebody mm. that wants to join the industry that you're in, that wants to get involved in acting, whether theatre acting or film acting mm. or whatever, mm-hmm. what would you give them? I feel like I'm putting you under pressure now. But no, 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 no. It's a, really, it's a really good question. I would say, again, don't take no as a personal attack. As I said, it's very important because when you start taking as a personal attack, then you then what creeps in is the, why not? I deserve everything. Then you start questioning everything and it just it just becomes a, a downward spiral. And another thing I would say is just just be kind when you can, obviously. Like, obviously, if you're in a foul mood, you, you can't force it. But I think kindness goes a long way. And it's much harder to be rude than it is to, to be nice, you know? Yeah. And, and, and when you're nice to people, people remember you. Like, people, you might not think it, but they do. And it's effortless as well. It shouldn't be a task. It'd be like, oh, I need to be nice today. Yeah. Just be you and, and allow yourself to just be open. Um, and I know, again, it's, these things are easier said than done. But just a simple smile. Like, I walk around London so much with, like, a massive screw face. And I'm like, I can see why people would be scared of me. Do you know what I mean? But I'm like, but really and truly, I'm I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. But occasionally there'll be times where I'm just, right, you know? Just being present is very important. I would say being present. Do you have to take walks and be present? Sometimes walks, mainly music. Oh, okay. And by being present, I'm talking, like, in the way music helps me is I'm very experimental. So I listen to all kinds of music. The other day I was in the car listening to classical music and my cousin jumped in and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm just like, listen, like, I'm just trying to, not trying to, but, I'm just allowing myself to just feel anything. Do you know what I mean? Like something different. Because I think what we tend to do in life is we tend to be rigid in our ways and stuck in our ways to the point where we're not open to start having blinkers, you know, in the horses. Like, no, I'm trying to see the world. Like I'm trying to hear different stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to experience different things, meet different people, meet people from all over the world and, you know, because everyone's experience is different. I also enjoy learning, learning about other people and learning about why they are the way they are, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. And I do the same thing with classical music and it's not mm. something I've grown up with, but for some reason it makes me calm. Yeah. And funny that you said that you listen to it in the car because actually I bet it reduces road rage if you think about it too. Yeah, because the last thing you're going to do is start swearing over Beethoven. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It don't make sense. <laughs> and then when you listen to something else with, with a bit of like more upbeat tempo, you're kind of, you're more prone to kind of raging. And yeah. Yeah, it helps. It helps massively. Trust me. <laughs> or something that's really upbeat and then you're walking in and you're like really confident. Oh, yeah. Makes all the difference, doesn't it's it? Classical music is just, you know, it's tranquility and just like being in a river. It's being in rather, a river. Rather, rather than a massive wave, you're in a river, you're just going downstream. Yeah, have a rave mm-hmm. another day. That was that will sound kind of cool. And I love the fact that you talked about kindness because I think you're right. Your impact on people goes a long way, and it takes more energy to be negative. And that energy is something you need in the mm-hmm. job that you have. And there's mm-hmm. other things that you got. Your better time is better time invested elsewhere. I think. Yeah. You talked about privilege, um, but actually, I'm not going to talk about specifics around homes that we have and all the economic yeah. privileges or anything mm-hmm. like that. But 
you know, there are so many communities that are underrepresented in so many different sectors. I mean, Mm -hmm. I come from like tech and advertising really does suffer from better diverse people, teams, Mm -hmm. et cetera, leaders. And I'm just curious to know, like, if there was a community that was underrepresented in your field, who would that be? And I guess I'm asking you because I'd love for you to welcome them to your industry. Yeah, I mean, in in my mind, it would genuinely be black women, the women of ethnic minority, because there's not a lot of characters written for them, right? They've either had to, they've either gotten a part of what would be a a, a white, uh, someone who was white, but they're like, oh, we need to fill in a blank. We need to, you know what I mean? And it's very... Tick a box. Yeah, we need to take a box, exactly. And what's getting so much better is there are more writers who are black black women or women of ethnic minorities because of that that problem. And they're writing um, experiences that they've been through or experiences that people can relate to. You know, when you look at Michaela Cole's work, unreal. But then you also, again, you have white women who are who are doing what they can to use their, their sensory privilege in that way for being white to bring people into, you know what I mean? So when you yeah. see, when you watch stuff like Fleabag or, you know what I mean? Other stuff like that, it's like, it's interesting. I love that because it's like, it's there's two things, isn't it? It's like, open the door. Mm. Open the door for somebody if you're in the power or in the position to be able to do it. And this is why I get so excited about the film industry and TV industry a little bit more. Like my background is TV advertising predominantly. And in advertising, you often like think, there's a lot of unrest in society because the stories we tell in ads, people feel them or think them. It's the same in, in TV and film. It's such a huge responsibility. It's almost yeah. like we're doing a disservice to that industry by yeah. not representing the people that are watching it. So just yeah. find it really bizarre that this is the case, but it's a slow progress. And I think more advocacy, like the way that you're just talking about it, I hope we're going to inspire more young black yeah. writers to go yeah. I want to write for film. I've got yeah. an opportunity here. I have a chance, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, it's definitely, we have stories for days. We have stories yeah. for years. Do you know what I mean? Like, even talking to, you know, my grandma about her time in Jamaica and everything, like, there's so many stories that I know other other people's grandparents and parents can relate to. So why not write about her experience as a Jamaican woman coming to England and all of this stuff? And you're seeing that, right? Like you're seeing that when you watch stuff like, small acts or the wind rush generation and and all of these things and there's you know films are coming out now it's very clear what they're doing in terms of listen we need you we need to show you what reality is you know and we're not trying to just smear over it we're actually really trying to just show you what's actually going on even your example about hearing about your grandma even just that one little sentence that you said I felt like I was I had a little bit of an insight into your world Mm. and I just think the more access we have to different cultures and upbringings I just think it makes our lives a lot more richer yeah. you think and that's yeah. part of what you're trying to get across which is like there are so many untold stories out there it actually improves us as humans by hearing those stories which 100%. I think is happening as well 100%. I, I, that's what I told you when it comes to exploring the world and meeting different people and it's not even like exploring the world it's like exploring a different area like I grew up in South London yeah there'll be some similarities to a guy that I meet in North London but there'll also be some differences too and there'll also be some differences with me being a Jamaican and someone being from Ghana or Ivory Coast or Sierra Leone, we're all different. So everyone has has a story to tell. Everyone has lived a different life. No one has ever lived the same life. Brothers and sisters don't live the same life. 
Yeah, tell me about it. My sister's totally different to me. Exactly. You know what I mean? You have different friends, you have different way of living. Why not be excited to find out what they do? Yeah. Do you actually ever bring some of your culture, the things that you've learned, bits about culture? Because, you know, you're born and bred in London. Mm -hmm. Have you ever brought some of that into the way that you act or like want to bring it in? Or do you keep that kind of life a little bit separate? Yeah, like I try to keep my, my, it's difficult because I try to keep my life separate to my acting, right? But then there's also some aspects when it comes to certain characters that I always want to bring a bit of me, whether it be... I don't know, like obviously mannerisms of me and someone else are completely different, but I am embodying someone else. The end goal isn't to, I don't know, transform to that person and that's it. Like I, there always will be a bit of terrain because let's say I'm playing a serial killer. I ain't going to go out and like kill a bunch of people. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's always going to be terrain in there, like telling me, okay, come out of character, really checking in. But the excitement is how close can I be to, to being truthful to this character, to this person? And yeah. I think that that's, that's very important. You don't want to go out there and be real. You want to be truthful. It's very important. It, uh, it sounds quite similar, but it's two completely different things. Yeah, no, I hear you, actually, because actually it's the character you're trying to convey. You want people to really understand mm. who that character is. And you have had to spend time visualizing that character right Mm -hmm. that character almost so Mm -hmm. that's a skill on its own i believe one thing i want to talk about was a little bit about social media because Mm. you know i can't help it it's just because of the fact that i come from sort of that sort of sector for such a long time and it it plays on my mind quite a lot uh we follow each other on instagram and Mm -hmm. i've noticed all version of social media i find quite unusual And the reason being, it's not a bunch of selfies. You've got a beautiful relationship and friendship with Tom Holland, who's one of your friends and his Mm. brother. But the way I love the way that your social media is with you and Tom and the rest is you're having fun. You're being yourself. I think there was a post that you did where you went and brought him breakfast in bed. And it's so human. And I think that's why I want to talk about it. It's so human. Like, did you deliberately plan to do it like that? or just Yeah, we, we, me and him sat down and I'm like, this is exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to walk in with some breakfast. You're going to film me. No, but like, this is where it's very different. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm all for people, you know, creating content and all that stuff. And, you know, people have fun doing that. But when it comes to me, I'm just trying to, not trying to, but I am just living life. And we're just trying to just still have fun. We're just trying to be ourselves. We're not trying to, we're not trying to trick people into thinking, no, 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 we're like this. And of course, like, he's very different to me. I'm very different to him. But we gel so well, like all of us, me, Tom, Harrison, you know, um, his brothers, like, we're all all different people, but it works. And what works is that we are, one, we are individuals. Two, we aren't scared to we aren't scared to tell each other that we we love each other. And that's very important, do you know what I mean? Like, as, uh, too many times in life, are we, we're putting on a front. Mm. When I was younger, I used to always put on a front. I never used to cry. I never used to tell people I loved them, like all of this stuff. And it made relationships very difficult because no one really knew where they stood with me or where I stood with them. And the moment I became more open, that's when everything just felt easy. 
effortless, you know? And when we were living together during lockdown, it was a crazy time for everyone. But we had uh, a brotherhood which made things seem, seem kind of like it was going to be okay. There wasn't, there wasn't ever a moment where we were like, oh, this could be it. Like there was always a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, to your point about brotherhood and and everything else, and I think that's what I was trying to get to, is the way that you guys do post on social media. I feel like that is such an inspiration, I hope, to younger people that when they're trying to think about their content, they're thinking about, how do I just be myself? And I think that's my point. You guys come across just so yourself. I feel like I could just be hanging out with you both, but also that is the version I see of you. So there's no pretense there. There's not a silly little, like, whatever, like we're going to glamorize like our this, lives. Yeah. It's none of that. Um, because, because also, like, this is also very time-consuming to do that. You almost, you're like, wait, hold on, who am I? Hmm. Who, who do I have to be? And, like, don't get, it, don't get it twisted. There are moments where, like, I'm in a certain situation where I can't act like how I would with my other friends who I grew up with my whole life, right? Like, in, in professional settings, I'm not going to, you know, sit slouched and all of that stuff. Like, I'm going to, you know, switch up even the way I articulate my words. So I would say, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe sometimes I'll drop my T's and say better. But, you know, when it comes to certain words, I'm not going to be just talking to someone I would normally talk to my best friend of 15 years, you know? But I do think it's very important to remember who you are, especially because we live in a society, especially on social media, where we're constantly trying to portray this glamorous lifestyle, this, you know, life's great and, oh my gosh, I've never had a problem in my life. It's like, that's bull. We all have problems. Yeah, we all have problems. I think that's such a funny thing about social media because a lot of people think that I'm out and about quite a lot and then I'm just like... You're not. I'm just sitting at home (laughs) watching Next in Fashion, which I got a bit obsessed with, actually. (laughs) And now The Witch Finder. Did you like it? Yeah, I did like it, actually. It was really funny. Yeah, it's. uh, I mean, the Gibbons brothers who wrote it, they're terrifyingly funny. As in, like, I'm acting and I'm like, I can't do the scene. Like, I really can't do the scene because I'm just <laughs> laughing. Yeah, I'm just, you know, and the shoulders go and after that, it's just game over. You can't stop. I was going to ask you a question about that point around openness um, mm. because when I was speaking to one student, she's 15 years old, she wants to get into journalism. Uh, she's so brilliant, by the way. And mm. she actually asked me this as a question and said, you know, she writes a lot and sometimes she starts to question herself when she writes because she's wondering like am I too vulnerable clearly she's experiencing some self-doubt even though she's absolutely fantastic which is really tough to do when you're in a creative space right when you're writing something acting something you're putting yourself out there and you're worried about what people are going to be saying so how do you deal with self-doubt I had this conversation with a friend a couple days ago and this will be the perfect advice for this 15-year-old student. I've had it all my life, imposter syndrome. When you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, am I good enough to be here and all this stuff. And what my friend told me was, you feeling self-doubt and all of this things, it's actually you growing. So it's you now leveling up to a place where you're like, whoa, this feels quite uncomfortable. You know, like, this don't feel right when really in fact this is the next step this is if anything having that feeling should then transform into something positive because it's like I do deserve to be here I do deserve to be writing certain things I do deserve to to have the opportunity 
to do this, right? And ever since I've found that out, like, don't get me wrong, there will always be that feeling of that, but then I have to check in. And I'm like, actually, I'm here for a reason. And definitely for this student, what she's doing, she's doing it like for like she she's meant to be where she is right now. And to continue that is is I think very important. I almost feel like that's like a little bit of a groundbreaking moment for me. And if you don't mind, can I use that for something as well? You're, I mean, I just told my I told my friend that's mine now. It's yeah, and yeah. your friend is ours. It's my yeah, exactly. it's I never thought about imposter syndrome like that. I never mm. considered it as a sign of growth yeah. and yeah. growing and because you're now in a situation where you're like, wait, should I be here? And it's like, and it's like, do I deserve to be here? Yes, because yeah. you're there. Yeah. You're literally in it. Do you know what I mean? You're living it. That's why you're feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. After that moment, I was shook. I was, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely. That's mine now. You know. Yeah. Brilliant. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about social media pressures. So, how do you stay away from? There is a lot of noise and distraction out there and you are on social media. So how do you cut the noise? How do you focus on yourself and just banish that pressure and that negativity? One thing that's really good is just the ability to, one, just delete the app, but still be there. Do you know what I mean? But like, you don't delete the app. Take a break. Take a break. Turn off the notifications. As even uh, we were told, like before this, you know, turn off notifications so we don't, we're not distracted. It's just you and me, right? And also, I mean... Some people have it, but I have a personal account where I'm just seeing my friends. I'm not seeing the outside thing. I'm not seeing the the, the content creators that I don't even follow because now you're getting all these people you don't even follow and you're seeing all of their stuff. You're like, well, I don't know them. And I think that's, that's very important because, again, as I said, the tendency to compare your life to others is very, very common. And even to the point where you might not even know that you're doing it, like you, you're doing it like unconsciously. You see someone who's in, they're posting videos of them at a beach and you're at home. All you might do is you might go like this. <sighs> there it is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's calm. You're meant to be in your house right now doing what you're doing. There will be a moment, hopefully when you can, you know what I mean? When you're at the beach, we're so tuned into trying to find out what to do next or, or what, what we're going to do next, rather than just being present and being in the moment, you know? Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to do a little bit of that. I'm going to do a little bit more on that now that I've had this conversation, actually, because I mm. think you inspired me to do that. So if you had to surmise your success, as you know, this podcast series is called Behind the Face of Success, and mm. you are successful. So if you had to surmise your success in three words, no, it's a hard one, what would it be? It would be... Hunger, growth, and acceptance. And I say acceptance because I struggled a lot with comparing and I struggled a lot with um, my identity and who I was, what I believed in, and just understanding that I am good the way I am. Growth, again, similar to that, like just how far I've come so far. And, you know, we spoke about this because I still don't believe that I am successful. I think I'm hopefully on the trajectory to that. But for now, it's just growing every day. And, and how can I how can I better myself as a person, which will allow my work to then be better too. And for me, it's just, yeah, just staying hungry, staying wanting more every time. And that's not being greedy, yeah. but it's more of a, oh, wow, I've, I've just eaten that. What else can I get my hands on? You know, that's very important. 
those are three really powerful words and also sums up what this whole talk has been about as well and how you represent yourself. And I think to your point about success, it's like you could have different versions of success in your life as well. Mm. So it's, mm. you know, we don't need to give ourselves a hard time if we yeah. still got to the top of the ladder as you want it to be. But to me and to so many people listening to this right now, you are successful. Mm. And I want to like celebrate that for a Thank second. You. because It's not just being about successful in your job, but actually just you as a human being, I feel like I've just learned so much from this and I feel like I'm going to be a better person <laughs> after I've done this. You really are a great person. Thank yeah. you. But with that, I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank I know you. you're full on, but I, like I said, I've got so much out of this and I really appreciate you as a friend and as somebody I'm learning so much from. So thank you. No, thank you for having me and appreciate you for being patient with my just ongoing like, oh, I can't do this, can't do that. But let's do this, let's do this day. And we've done it. So thank you. We've done it. Plus it gives we me excuse to hassle you. I'll hassle you again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>